So I wonder whether you have come across anything that's completely changed your view of, uh, on life, the way that you live. Certainly we see coming out of Hollywood uh, this idea that um, imagine if you suddenly found out that aliens were living among us. Wouldn't that change the way you live? You'd suddenly be suspicious of everything and everyone. So the person next to you could be an alien. <laughs> certainly it would shake your foundations of understanding of the world. More recently, I've noticed that people are changing their lives, changing their views on how they live their lives based on climate change and pollution. Certainly that's been something of the last 20 years. I mean, I would say that that has changed the way I live. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's not been an immediate overnight thing, but it's been something uh, over the last 10, 15 years that I've have changed. And the church has seen that with my introduced of those little plastic holders of the, the paper cups. So those aren't actually cups uh, because they're too small to be cups. Um, they actually are designed to hold the plastic cups, uh, so paper cups, so that you don't burn your hand on the, the paper. Okay, um, and please don't throw them away because, you know. Anyway, so, but this is not, uh, I, I haven't got up here to, to have a go at you about environmental issues. That's not the purpose of this sermon. Um, and it, I would worry if it was. If you want to talk to me, come and talk to me about that afterwards. Now, but it is a good analogy for the way that people react towards Christianity. You'll notice, and some of you might have seen on TV, there are some people who embrace this uh, idea of you know, uh, campaigning for climate change. Um, and they campaign for it and they, they start to live their whole lives for it. Then there are people on the other side who seem to bury their heads in the sand. And there are even people who will actively go out of their way, not only to deny it, but to campaign against it and to rubbish those people who, have, uh, who are campaigning for it. And we see that with Christianity as well. Now let's have a look at uh, our Bibles and, and let me read chapter 11. This is quite a, a long, uh, long passage. So we're reading all the way down to verse 46. And do follow along with me. So we're talking about the de death of Lazarus. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. For when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews who were just now seeking to stone you, uh, ra the, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble 
because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake, awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was t- uh, meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not here, so not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go, that we may die with him. I am the resurrection of the light and the life. Now Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has, had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them, concer- uh, console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, now I know that wherever, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise and quickly go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you you always hear me, 
But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this church and this community. We thank you for your word that you have kept safe for us so that we can know your truth and your words. Lord, thank you that we can verify this and that we can know that your words are true. And Lord, help us to learn what you have to teach us from your word. Help us to take it to heart and not just go away unchanged, but try and live our lives in response to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Death and taxes. Those are the two unavoidable things. It's a quote from the uh, American President Benjamin Franklin, who said, in this world, nothing can be certain except death and taxes. Benjamin Franklin? Benjamin Franklin? Sorry. Um, I stand corrected. I don't think it's going to be a surprise if... In this, uh, to anyone in this room, if I say that everybody is going to die, not right now, or immediately, or even in this service, I hope, um, but it's not a surprise, because it comes to all of us. But neither is it a pleasant conversation, and probably, in fact, definitely not something to joke about. Most of us have experienced death firsthand, a friend or someone we've known. And like with Jesus here in this passage, it hurts, it rends the heart, it's a traumatic experience. We've been hearing sermons in the last month or two, um, the raising of the dead by Elijah and Elisha, by Jesus, Peter and Paul, and Jesus himself rising from the dead. And don't we wish at those times that we had one of them with our dear friends or loved ones or family that he could be around, especially those who seem to die in the prime of their life or early, so early on. So today I'm going to be looking at the reasons for this resurrection and then beyond to our reaction to it. So the first point I'm going to talk about is, maybe this should be the main point, but Jesus is God, and God has a plan. Jesus is God, and God has a plan. Now, this passage is probably very familiar to us, uh, but I'd like you to make sure those passages are open so you can check what I'm saying uh, and look at it with us. Uh, But I wonder um, whether many of you have dwelt on the very strange things uh, within it. It seems so there are some things that when you read it, strike, should strike you as very strange um, if you haven't just got a little bit too comfortable with it. 
So let's open up and look at the passage so that we can delve into it. So Lazarus, Jesus' very good friend, the one whom, so he's described as the one whom you loved, is sick. And the good thing is that he just so happens to be friends with Jesus. And that's pretty lucky, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's pretty fortunate. The one person who we know can raise people from the dead is friends, or in cure serious Ill, illness is friends with Jesus. Um, so when they send for Jesus, what happens? Let's have a look at verse 6. When, Je- when, he heard, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Not the reaction that you would be expecting. Must be confident that nothing's going to happen. And we can see in verse 4, he says, this illness will not lead, in, uh, lead to death. And after a little bit of misunderstanding with the disciples, because the disciples are not always with it, in verse 14, Jesus comes right out and bluntly says, Lazarus is dead. And I'm not sure they still understand it, because uh, Timothy, uh, sorry, Thomas, uh, and that's doubting Thomas that we, we find later on. Uh, we know that he doesn't always get things straight away, but he says, uh, let's go and die as well. So we're not quite sure whether they understand that, but they certainly understand it when they get there. And I don't know whether you've ever been to any Middle Eastern funerals, but we see it on TV. The weeping and the wailing and the community come together. And we can see that Martha and uh, Mary and Lazarus were popular. People were coming down from Jerusalem to mourn with them there would be no mistaking that, the, that Lazarus was dead. So the interesting part for me is to note that if, even if Jesus had left as soon as he had heard, Lazarus would have been dead anyway. Because when Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. So if Jesus had left straight away, sorry, I'm being the maths teacher here, but it's, it's very easy maths. Uh, if he had left straight away, he would have arrived and Lazarus would have been dead for two days. So if he had left straight away, Lazarus would have been dead anyway. Four days dead. Now, I know it's a very strange thing, but as a child, I don't know whether you learned this as a child, but as a small child, I don't even remember where I learned it from. I learned that you couldn't survive for more than three days without water. If you were now as an adult, I know that probably if you were in some kind of coma, you probably could last a little bit longer. But certainly, if you're in a coma, and now there's just so happens that when Jesus calls Lazarus's name, he snaps out of that coma. Well, it still doesn't make sense because he wouldn't have been able to walk. His feet and his hands are bound, but he somehow manages to walk out of the tomb. He somehow manages. So those people who are trying to explain this away with science, with some kind of uh, argument, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. This is, there's a reason why uh, Martha says it's, there's going to be a no In fact, one of the translations says, he will stinketh. 
Yes. Four days in a tomb in the, the, the heat of a Middle Eastern uh, weather, he will stink. Even if he's not dead. And certainly he wouldn't survive. If he was in a coma, how would he snap out just as uh, Jesus is calling him? And then how would he walk out by himself? You see, there were lots of people present and they saw him. There are lots of people mourning. Jesus, did he send people beforehand him to, to uh, try and trick people? Oh, why don't you hide Lazarus off? It'll be a hilarious joke. Lazarus, go and hide in a tomb. Pretend that you're dead. Let's see how many people come and mourn for you. It's a bit of a sick joke, isn't it? And people would find out about these things. It's not something that it would easily be kept a secret. And to survive four days in a tomb like that. So those people are trying to argue away these miracles. You start, I mean, it's possible. It's very, it's, it's, there's a slight possibility. But after a while, you keep arguing. You keep looking at the evidence. And you start becoming more ridiculous. And it becomes, you know, just a little bit silly. Now... Um, so by delaying two more days, Jesus has made sure that Lazarus is dead, fully dead, not just mostly dead, absolutely fully dead and probably stinky. I mentioned before that Jesus said to the disciples that Lazarus was dead and that this would not end in death. So Jesus knows what's going to happen. I want to make that clear. Jesus knows what's going to happen. He says it twice more, even before he, uh, Lazarus shows himself to be alive. In verse 20, 23, Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha replies, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus, uh, Martha does believe in Jesus but what does that belief mean does he, she believe that Jesus has the power to raise Lazarus and sometimes we can be certainly very much like that we believe in Jesus Jesus affects our lives we live our lives for Jesus but do we believe that he has the power over life and death do we fear death you see, if we believe, then we shouldn't fear death. If we believe, we should know that God is in control. And I see this a lot from some of my Christian friends. My sister, a couple of years ago, was frantic about how, which school to send her eldest daughter to, my, my niece. And I think, do you trust God? And I see this quite a lot from you know, parents who are you know, racking their brains and so worried about these, these future things for their children. And I've got a friend who is so worried about the future and she is you know, always very tearful about it. Do you trust God? Do you believe that he is in control and has a plan? And this again comes to this question that comes all the way through John. What is belief? Do you believe 
in me. The final time comes in Jesus' prayer when he prays aloud for the benefit of the others. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around me, that they may believe me. Um, and so he knows what's going to happen. And we can see that God, so back to my point, that Jesus proves that he is God and that God has a plan. But what's the point of this? So we know that Jesus is God and God has a plan. What is the point of this? We see this very, very clearly, and this is my second point. We see that the glory, uh, we see the glory of God. We will see the glory of God and believe. So look down at verse 4 again. Jesus heard and said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. When I was at university, I started going to a new church which was very, very strong on Bible teaching. Now, I joined their Bible study. This was the thing to do, the entrance Bible study. And it was going through the book of John over a year. And this, and I came to it because I was well one of those well-churched children who, who you know, those you know, uh, annoying ones who seem to know the answer to everything because I'd, I'd learned all the Bible stories when I was a child. I came to it thinking, well, I know John. I know all the stories. And I came to it very cocky. But when I started studying John, it absolutely blew my mind. Seeing the themes run through it. We've seen the theme of what is belief running through it. And, and this is one of the reasons why I chose to study John with the men's Bible study this year. And I hope that those people who have been coming along can get just a taste of how my mind has been blown. And I've studied John consistently, yeah, just as a whole book, uh, uh, maybe four times since then. And every time, new things just blow my mind. But here, one of the things that really struck me at this point was uh, this consistent theme through John. Jesus, his most important task is to reveal God's glory. You see, for anyone else, that would seem incredibly arrogant. We don't really, we don't have uh, kings in the same sense that they did in the Middle Ages. But for a follower to be saying how wonderful his king is, if that king truly deserves it, that's not out of place, is it? And we're not just talking about king here, we're talking about God. It seems strange to us, this idea that God's glory is the most important thing to Jesus. Let's have a look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. We, I talked about what a terrible thing death is. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So why does he stay two days longer? What on earth is going on? Why would Jesus 
put his loved ones through all of that for two days longer. That grief and suffering. Why would he put his loved ones through that for another two days? Well, because he knew that by waiting, they would believe. You may say that they already believe. Well, again, there's that question of what is belief? Maybe it's that their faith would be stronger through it. And that others would believe. And he's saying that that is more important than their grief and suffering. That terrible grief and suffering and trauma. This is more important. Verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I, was, I am glad. That's a strange translation, isn't that? I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. He has stayed two days longer, and he's glad that he's yeah, not there because, so that they may believe. That's the most important thing. In verse 26... Jesus does the most unbelievable thing. Imagine your friend, someone you love, is distraught and grieving. And this is what Jesus says to him, says to her, Martha. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a thing to ask. A grieving sister. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? We see the trauma of what's going on. We see how upsetting it is. We see that even Jesus, in the shortest verse of the Bible, and probably one of the most famous, he weeps because death is a terrible and tragic thing. It rips us from our loved ones. It is the thing that is the direct consequence of sin that we commit as Adam and Eve were cut off from the tree of life. We were not meant to die. We were not designed to die. As Christians, we believe that. We were not made to die. We were made to be eternal beings. But by sinning, we were cut off from the tree of life. And by consequence, we have to die. That sin cuts us off from God. Now we see a great irony of those people looking on to Jesus say, very cynically, you can hear the cynicism in their voice, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And the answer, of course, is yes, and yes, and yes. Of course he could have. He may not have been able to reach Lazarus before he, uh, Lazarus died, but we've seen that Jesus can do this well before we, you know, we, we learn about kind of remote mobile phones technology. Some of, I've, I've learned about these washing machines that you can actually switch on from, or, and heaters in your, in your bath that can switch on when you're at work. So you fill your bath with cold water, and from work, about half an hour before you get home you switch on the heater and you get a hot bath when you get home no Jesus was this is well before that Jesus uh, when talking to the centurion a Roman centurion the centurion says you're not worthy sorry my, my house is not worthy to have you please 
please uh, heal my servant. And Jesus said to him, because your belief, go, let it be done, because you have believed. And the servant was healed. So Jesus was nowhere near the house, and the servant was healed. How much more could he have done for his loved friend Lazarus? No, he didn't do that because of the greater glory. So that people could believe. And this, of course, is a foreshadowing of a greater death. Remember they said, could not he save himself as they looked on Jesus on the cross? Couldn't they not? Yes, he could have saved himself. In the trial, he said silent. He didn't say a word. Pilate asks him, and he stays silent. Pilate wants to set him free. He could have talked to Pilate and set himself free. But he doesn't lift a hand to stop it. Because of the greater glory. And so that you may believe. If you don't believe here today, if you're not a Christian, have a look into this. Maybe the accounts. And there's the historical evidence as well. This happened. And Jesus rose again. So that you may believe. It's important because if it's true, well, if it's not, then no worries. You, you've just looked into an interesting intellectual idea. You've maybe got into the mindset of, yeah, I think of the one-third of the world's population, the Christians. But if it is true, then Jesus is offering eternal life to those who would believe and accept. My point, final point is a very short one, but very applicable. As we have studied, John, as I've said, this idea of belief, what is belief, is challenged. And that should challenge every single one of us. At one point, we see Jesus turning to those uh, who follow him. The passage says these people believed in him and he calls them sons of devils. He calls that because he knows what's in their hearts. He knows that they just want to see miracles. He knows that actually even when they want to make him king, he runs away from them. He hides himself from them because he knows what's in their hearts. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Here we see him challenging the belief of the disciples and even a grieving, distraught sister. If you say you believe, what does that mean? How is your life any different from those who do not believe? Do you believe that Jesus' death gives us life and gives life to those people who don't believe, those people who you love and know? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for your friends and family? Do you really believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? And So what does it mean for your life? Let's look down at verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. 
Some of them went to the, uh, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. I always find this absolutely amazing, and it was baffling. There's a miracle in Luke where Jesus cures, you know, casts the demons out of the madman, the strong madman who breaks chains and kind of hides in a cave. The villagers, when they see the madman is cured, they see the demons cast out of him. I've, I've done this study with, you know, in my school, and I've looked at it, and I've stopped there, and I've said to them, what do you think happens? When the villagers come out and they see that the madman who'd been terrifying their, you know, terrorizing their village is cured and sitting there calmly, what do you think the villagers did? Is it a great celebration? Welcome, Jesus. Well done. Thank you so much for helping rid us of this trouble. No, they ask him to leave. Why? Because Jesus challenges us. Finding this out challenges our lives. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he has the life and he is the resurrection, your life changes. If you believe that our, our world is on a collision course for, with climate change and pollution, then, then, then it's going to change the way you live. If you believe that aliens are among us, then that may well change the way you live. If you believe that Jesus is the life and resurrection, and there is life, eternal life after death, that is going to change the way you live. And some people cannot cope with that. They would rather deny that. And actually, some go the, the step further and vociferously go out of their way to disrupt those people who are preaching it. I did a sermon on uh, Antichrist uh, a few months ago. We see those people, it says that Antichrist have come from among us. Those people who are anti-Christians, those people who are preaching against Christianity, often are those who have come from church backgrounds. They reject the truth. They hear the truth and it upsets them so much because they don't want to change their lives. They don't want to live a different life. Some will bury their heads in, this, uh, their heads in the sand. So, for those Christians among us, those of us who believe, do be prepared for this when you share the gospel, when you share your faith, when you share our faith to your friends and family. There will be people who will bury their heads in the sand and there will be people who even reject us and often quite aggressively. I, in, in, my, um, in my schools, have run Christian forums and occasionally you get the odd student who will just come and attack you, not physically, but say, how can you believe this, blah, 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 and then they just run away, they, they walk away. I, even in the meeting, I've come in. I've had somebody come in with a book and said, "History cannot, you know, cannot mean that uh, Christianity is true." And they just talked at me for about five minutes and then walked out. People reject violently, aggressively, but there will be people who will believe when you show them the truth. 
there will be people who believe. And surely, seeing those people in eternity will be worth it. Let me pray. Father, your word continues to challenge us. What it means to believe. Do we believe that you have the power? Do, you believe, do we believe that where we're going after death is peace and eternal life and life in your family with you? Help us to continue to grow in that belief. Your spirit working in us to change us and help us to change our lives in response to that. In Jesus' name. Amen.